Amen. So uh, Leviticus chapter 5, uh, the, the trespass offering. <clears throat> so we've, uh, we've been going through the offerings. Now we're getting to Leviticus 5. We'll talk about uh, the, uh, the trespass offering here for uh, a little bit, and then uh, we'll get into Le Le excuse me, Leviticus chapter 6 uh, with the, uh, regarding the laws regarding the, uh, these actual um, uh, things that are being um, uh, covered by us tonight. So, um, and I, okay, just need to make sure I'm remembering something here. So bear with me for a moment. Okay. Threw myself off. I uh, I typed Leviticus seven where I where I copied Leviticus six over from a Blue Letter Bible and I, I put it onto my notes. I put Leviticus seven on there and that was not nice to myself. So I'm just making sure I'm where I'm supposed to be. So all right. So uh, Leviticus five. So this trespass offering, your Bible may say guilt offering. It's a required one uh, for two kinds of sin: sin against of the holy things of the Lord and sin against a neighbor. Uh, they can involve uh, both a sacrifice and restitution, and we'll we'll get through that together here. Uh, the elements that are sacrificed, ram or a lamb. Uh, now the purpose here, uh, we'll see as we're going through, it's, it's a mandatory uh, atonement for unintentional sin. Uh, so we're still there. We talked about that uh, before and uh, so there are some things here that we'll see for unintentional things or uh, things that weren't necessarily intentional. Um, but if there are things that are omitted and stuff like that, that's also covered here. So it's a required, we're going to see as we go through, some of these uh, require a restitution if somebody was uh, was wronged. It would be a 20% fine uh, to make the restitution. So it serves as a reminder that sin negatively not only affects us, but also others. Uh, I think sometimes we can get wrapped up in how our sin affects us, but what does it do to others, right? So uh, that should be a deterrent for us once we uh, uh, understand the cost of sin, right? That's, that's what this is, okay? So it's going to cost you to uh, take something and have it sacrificed, but you're also, in some of these instances, going to lose a fifth of uh, whatever it was, you know, it's 20% of, of whatever it was. You're going to have to, on top of that, pay for that. So uh, so there are some, uh, some very costly reminders. Now, true repentance should lead us uh, to making right what we've done wrong. Um, sometimes that's not possible. You know, we might not be able to. You know, I remember getting in a fight with a kid in third grade. Um, I probably, if I walked up to that guy, I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I punched you in the forehead. When I, I was in fifth grade, he was in third grade. There was only a year uh, between us, though. And I think I've said this before. I would not fight the kid again. Uh, he's big. He's a big dude, and and uh, probably wouldn't go well. But uh, he's probably, I mean, I've talked to him several times since then. It'd probably be weird if I walked up. But if the Lord, you know, I, I'd just be like, hey, you remember when that happened? Of course he's not going to forget, right? Um, but he told me he wanted to kick my dog. So, you know, stupid stuff you do in elementary school, right? But there might be things that we can't really go back and make right. But if we can go back and make something right, especially now from here on out, if we do something, say, hey, you know what? I, I can't believe I did that. You know, I, I, wh what was I doing? You know, we can come and say, you know what? I'm sorry. And, and, and make those things right. That's what you know, true repentance should lead us to wanting uh, to make things right. So uh, we're going to uh, look at the, the sin offering here, but that was also covered in Leviticus 4, and uh, just remind us that we're sinners by nature, right? So that you'll, you'll see some pictures toward that and everything, but we're really focusing on the trespass offering, and it deals with individual acts of sin, right? So we're coming out of that, uh, the sin offering, uh, where we're sinners by nature. Okay, if this happens then uh, you know we'll, we'll do these things. But if you commit these things, if you do these things wrong, that's what we're covering here. So um, verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, Leviticus 5, uh, says, If a person sins in, the, in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. So 
Uh, we can commit sin by being silent or doing nothing, saying nothing in a situation. Uh, this uh, You've probably heard of people saying the sin of omission, right? Where, you know, this, this individual uh, uh, had sinned in the hearing of an utterance, right? Uh, and is witness whether he has seen or known of the matter, it says. If he does not tell it, he bears guilt. So, uh, you know, we, can, we can't be silent when we know information uh, and that information uh, or, you know, the things that we witness could be needed. Uh, we could approach it like, hey, I'm not going to be a snitch. I'm, this is, uh, it's not my problem, right? Uh, even though I heard it, you know, God is saying that that in and of itself is a sin. That if we heard something and then there's some sort of dispute about it, and and this person here is saying, uh, you know, whether they've seen or known the matter, if, if uh, they don't tell it, then that person is guilty also. There's some guilt there uh, for not because somebody might say, hey, we made a we, we made an oath together. We we had uh, you know made a deal together and or this happened. Right. Uh, I saw this happen and, and it was between two people and someone goes, hey, you heard this or you saw this. What do you have to say about it? Uh, I don't really remember. Right. That, that that's not how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. The Lord's dis describing that here. Consider what James chapter 417 says about something like this. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. If we know to do good and we don't do it, it's sin. It's plain and simple, you know, so you could couple those two together uh, here if that's going to help you understand and remember these. If if uh, we've heard something, seen something, uh, and we don't tell of it, then we bear guilt, right? So uh, there might have been something done, you know, that we witnessed a crime or something like that. Whatever this is talking about, where it's talking about, an, but it's specifically talking about an utterance of an oath and as a witness, whether he has seen or known the matter, right? But you know, if you expand that a little bit, there there are times where we might be able to say the right thing to help. You know what what had happened, uh, and if we're omitting that or we're not stepping forward, we're not doing the right thing. And that's according to James chapter four and right here. Uh, if we know to do good and we don't do it, then it's considered sin. So, uh, verse two: Or if a person touches an unclean thing, whether it is the carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of an unclean of unclean livestock, or the carcass of an unclean creeping things. And he is unaware of it, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he t touches human uncleanness, whatever the uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it, when he realize it, realizes it, uh, then he shall be guilty. Now, some of these things, like the description of these and what they look like, we're actually going to get into in Leviticus as we progress more. But this is where you know the tone is being set. This is these are things that need to be addressed, and once they're addressed, then the specifics will come out later, and we'll see that here as we uh, study through Leviticus. But um, so when things are revealed to, it's, it's again saying when it's revealed to him or he realizes it, he shall be guilt. Even if, uh, you know, uh, you might have the like the mindset of, I didn't even know, but, but still guilty. You know, the Lord is saying, no, these things are not allowed to be touched. Uh, you know, you might look and go, that's kind of harsh. You know, what if, what if it was dark and some guy trips over, I don't know, some cow carcass or something and, and, uh, and they've, they've touched it. Uh, or, you know, they fall down and they, they lean into it. Uh, there's there's guilt to be, uh, you know, um, born there. So, you know, it, it might come from a friend. Remind, hey, remember you. you Hey, dude, you you can't you can't go here or anything. You're unclean for the rest of the day. Uh, you need to go and, and take care of this before the Lord because of this. So may sound weird, but as we get into this a little bit deeper, uh, hopefully we have a better understanding. So uh, it says, what is unclean? And specifically with this one, we're going to cover this more in a few chapters down in Leviticus chapter 11. We'll get into what is clean and what is unclean as far as animals go. But the focus here is what happens after that. OK, so we're not really going to dive into what they might touch because we're going to get in that, excuse me, in Leviticus 11. And then we'll kind of reflect back on this. But for what we're studying here, uh, the focus of, of chapter 5 is what happens after that happens. So uh, the carcass of an un unclean beast, livestock, or creeping thing, uh, things that God instructed them not to touch and not to eat. So uh, if they were to 
uh, touch those things. We'll see more in Leviticus 11, what that means, what it looks like in those things. Uh, and we'll see, you know, what they'd have to offer if these things have happened. But so uh, just understand there are things that they were not to touch, you know, unclean animals, unclean carcass, uh, you know, people that are unclean for some reason. Uh, that uh, maybe it's uh, leprosy or, or they've done something and they've, they're, they're unclean for the day or whatever, uh, then they had to abide by these strict uh, commandments. Aren't you guys blessed we don't have to go by this anymore? I mean, don't probably go run around messing with carcasses. You know, I, uh, I think I told you guys I, when we were in uh, Virginia – uh, I, uh, for Thanksgiving, I went with my brother-in-law, uh, he had got a deer and he brought it to a guy to, you know, to butcher and everything. And we show up there and they're like a stack of deer heads over here and there's blood rolling out and everything. I'm like, this is creepy, right? You know, just looking and there's dead animal everywhere, right? I don't want to go touch those things, right? So even if we don't have these things, uh, it, it, today, for me, it's not really going to be that much of a, of a, of a, of a big thing for me because I don't want anything to do with touching it anyways. I mean, it's, you know, just looking at the deer, you know, tongue hanging out and everything don't mean to be gross, but I, I just wouldn't want to, you know, put myself in that situation. But so some practical act application, you know, some of these things seem, you know, a surface, but when you, when you start listening, uh, you know, to the Lord, as you're reading these scriptures, uh, he may be revealing deeper things to you. And, uh, for me in my study, I, I see practical applica application here is, um, you know, maybe they, they uh, touch these things by night, by walking in darkness without proper light. Uh, consider that, right? Uh, for us, if we're, if we're walking uh, maybe in a place we shouldn't be or we don't have the equipment with us, uh, spiritual equipment with us to do what we're supposed to be, you know, whatever we're doing, we can find ourselves uh, compromised. We can find ourselves in a spot maybe we shouldn't be. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. There, there is a um, heightened sense of uh, vigilance that, that we should be, as Christians, walking around with. Uh, that we wouldn't stumble upon something that would be unclean for us to touch. Something that might negatively affect us. Right. Think of those things. If we're if we're walking uh, about our day being wise as serpents and harmless as doves, we're less likely to find ourselves in in a compromise that maybe uh, if we had our guard up properly, uh, that, that wouldn't have happened. So first Peter chapter five, verse eight tells us, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, called to be sober, to be vigilant. That, that means to be alert, right? Um, if, if, we're, if we're not sober, can we think clearly? Uh, if we're not vigilant, are we going to be, oh, are, are we going to be, uh, you guys, okay, so um, it's funny, the other day, uh, Jen and I were driving, I can't remember what day it was, maybe, maybe Monday, Jen and I were driving, and we were just amazed, and just even walking around, we had to do some things in Bangor. And I just looked at her. I'm like, I'm so amazed at how many people have zero sense of of, of uh, zero um, situ uh, uh, situational awareness. They don't have any of it at all, at all. I mean, like they're walking across a, a street and they have no idea that cars are coming. Zero situational awareness at all, right? We had people pulling out in front. Of, it was that trip. I don't know. It was three or four times, like. And I'm not like, you know, normally you can look and go, okay, what's a common denominator, John? It's your driving, right? But no, this was, so I was trying to give myself an honest look at it. But there were things that, not being situational aware, uh, I'm just seeing these people just, I'm like, we'll go right ahead. They're pulling right out. And, you know, we're, we're taught to drive defensively or, or to act defensively when we're walking. Like, look before you cross the street both ways. Those things, being sober, be vigilant, have our eyes up and alert, not walking around like, you know, we're on eggshells or anything. Just have some sort of sense of what's going on. Is something crazy uh, around me? Is there you know, potential threats? No, okay, we're good. Then go, go about our day. Um, but essentially, we are called wise as serpents. Be vigilant. Be sober. Proverbs 3, uh, 3 verse 26 says, For the Lord will be your conscience and will keep your right foot from being caught. You know, think of uh, under that mindset, of walking in darkness or or having our guard down. If our guard isn't up, if we're not vigilant of what's going on around us, we might find ourselves in a foothold, right? We might get to a point like, 
How did I not see that coming? Because we let our guard down. We can't do that spiritually. If we're if we're if we know, hey, you know what? When I do this, I know that leads to to little compromise or big compromise. I need to remove, remove this from my life so that I'm not touching this. This is unclean for my life. This can no longer be a part of my life. We th those are things that we have to look at. Be sober about it. Be vigilant. You know, be wise about it. Understand that that thing will grab right a hold of our foot and catch us. But uh, you know, for us, we just need to trust in the Lord uh, that uh, He will be our confidence and will keep our foot from being caught. But we have to keep our mindset right. So it may be that the things around us might cause us to sin. We have to be careful where we walk, what we do. You know, is is where I am or what I'm doing potentially a danger to negatively affect me or even my witness, right? Uh, I can tell you right now, none of us are called to go to a bar and witness. None of us. None of us are, okay? I'll just flat, I'm just going to flat out say that. If the Lord some like proves me wrong, not that I could never be wrong, we are not called to be there. If God wants us to minister to somebody that's there, that person will be brought to us. Guys, we've had that happen in this church several times. We've had people just walk in the door. They walk right in here, right? And 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 they've they've come in and we've been able to bless and minister to them and 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 care for them, right? The Lord being faithful to them and using us has put those two things together. If we think we're, you know, what does the Bible tell us? You know, if we if we think we stand, be very careful, right? Lest you fall. Oh, I'm strong enough. I can go right into that, and I can talk. No, <laughs> we we get a little haughty, right? We get a little, uh, you know, overconfident. We got to be careful of what we're doing. If if there's something that could negatively affect our walk with the Lord or our witness, don't touch it. You know, uh, you know, our walk is too important. God saved us from that uncleanness. Often we're called from from that, and we think we can go back into that and rip people out. And and uh, we have to be very careful considering those things. Christians are called to be different. We're called to be clean. Second Corinthians uh, six seventeen says, "Therefore, come out from among them and be separate," says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And He's speaking in Second Corinthians regarding idol worship. Right, you were called out of those things. He says, "Do not, um, you know, be separate. Do not touch what is unclean." If we have that mindset uh, in today's world, no, you know, we're not back in um, uh, the Levitical law or anything. But, but for us, we can learn from that and say, "Are there things that could that could negatively affect me? They might affect my walk with the Lord. They might uh, hurt my witness." Okay, I'm just uh, no. I've been called uh, to to be separate from that and not touch what is unclean, unclean, and and move on from there. Verse four, or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips, uh, to do evil or to do good, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath. Uh, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty uh, in any of these manners. So if there is uh, a promise made, you have to keep it. Obviously, if it's evil, we you know, forsake it and, and, and confess it. But, uh, you know, in, in a good way, right? We, we have to consider if we make a vow, uh, you know, when we break a vow, uh, those, are, those are bad things, right? We shouldn't be making vows. Uh, and what it says here, speaking thoughtlessly. Ever, I've done this, oh my goodness, I don't know how many times. I don't really think through what I'm saying, and I'll say something and be like, why did I just say that? Slow down, right? That's, uh, you know, there's, James tells us in James 1.9, be slow to speak, right? There's a reason the Bible tells us that. We're not supposed to speak thoughtlessly. Slow down, and we'll get into some more scripture here in just a moment. But, uh, you know, one thing we can end up doing is uh, making vows, spiritual vows, and then not fulfilling them. We can make those vows to the Lord, right? Lord, if you do this, then I'll do this. I'll pray more. Uh, I'll tithe more. I'll be more spiritual. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll witness more. My conduct will be better. Um, uh, typically, when I reflect on any time that I've even thought of doing that way back in, you know, my earlier days of Christianity, there was always such a selfish motive with there of, oh, God, you're going to give me this. You're not even going to see this, but I'm going to give you such a good deal. You're going to hear from me more, <laughs> right? Like God's going to, you know, benefit, you know, from, from that. Yes, he wants to have uh, fellowship with us, but, but uh, he sees right past us. So, you know, we're not that clever. 
So, uh, you know, a broken vow to the Lord, if uh, you know, in uh, context of what we're talking about, it needs to be confessed and repented of. You know, sin uh, might be from us speaking thoughtlessly. So we have to be careful. Uh, sometimes we don't realize what we're saying and its effect. So before we get into making vows and then breaking them and everything, stop and think of it, right? Because oftentimes we're thinking too highly of ourselves, right? So uh, just make sure we're, uh, we're, we're watching what we're saying. Uh, we're not getting ourselves into something, you know, biting off more uh, than we can chew. We're, we're called uh, to live our lives with self-control, right? You know, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, self-control, right? That, that's uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit. We should have self-control uh, within our lives. Uh, sometimes we need help with self-control. We might need a, a phone a friend, right? Hey, man, I'm really struggling right now. Pick up the phone and do that is showing self-control. You're saying, wait a minute, I'm in my flesh. Like my flesh is raging against the spirit right now, and I don't know what to do. I'm going to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm really struggling. Can you pray for me? Uh, you know, come, come over and talk. Can you do something like that, right? We, we have to be willing to, to um, pick up the phone, humble ourselves, and put ourselves in a spot where uh, we can say to a brother or sister that we love and trust, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can we pray? Can we talk? Because I don't want to do this. Right. And we get to that point of, man, I don't want to do this. And uh, and that's where we're going to find strength. Right. That fellowship. Right. We can't forsake that fellowship. It's so important to our lives. Having another person that's going to hold us accountable too, right. Those are those are good things. Proverbs 21, three says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Right. Just I'm going to read that one more time. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Proverbs 21, verse 23. We can save ourselves a whole lot of trouble by just guarding our mouth and our tongue. What are we saying? What are What's coming out of our mouth? You know, we're going to have to answer for idle words that are spoken, uh, the scripture says. Think of that. That's frightening, right? You know, so ju let's just be careful. Let's not run around and being foolish with our with our speaking. We're not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to reflect Christ in all that we do and all that we say. So consider, be slow to speak, right? Slow to speak, slow to wrath, as James tells us even in uh, chapter 1. Be careful with our words. Verse 5, And it shall be, when he is guilty in any of these matters, that he shall confess, uh, he, uh, confess that he has sinned in that thing. So it's not only uh, enough to ask forgiveness of something, right? When we know that there's something wrong, we've done something, we're very quick to ask forgiveness, but are we confessing in detail what we're asking for forgiveness for. That is very key for us, to confess to the Lord, what, because then we have to hear ourselves say it, right? And we're usually too ashamed to say it, right? But God, when we uh, you know, humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift us up, right? We drop to our knees in humility and we pray, and, and we pray oh Lord, I need to confess this. After we've confessed, then we ask for forgiveness, we repent of that, turn away from it and not go that direction. That's how it works, right? But we we can't skip the confession spot uh, part. That's so is so crucial. The Lord even added it right here. So we need to plainly and directly confess our sin, then ask for forgiveness. Written in the scripture, we can't dance around it. Uh, one thing uh, that came to mind as I'm reading this is regarding sin, when we're faced with sin and we're convicted of it, own it. Own it. <laughs> just own it. Don't dance around it. Don't uh, just, Lord, you know what? I'm going to confess this to you. I did this. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to repent and forsake this. But I did that, and I'm going to own it, right? Like God doesn't know, right? It's our shame that doesn't want to repeat it. I've, I've, I've watched interviews with people that have committed heinous crimes, and when they're they're confessing things, sometimes they don't want to actually come out and say exactly certain things because they are ashamed to say it, right? Because they know they're guilty and they're being confronted that they're guilty. They just don't want to say it, right? You guys have probably seen that before, right? I just recently watched one, and and uh, and it's just like, man, you know what? There's there's, there's some uh, spiritual uh, uh, there's a spiritual lesson there for us. So when we confess, we're agreeing with God that we've missed his mark, 
that we've missed the mark of perfection. We've sinned, uh, and we're not excusing ourselves, right? And we're not making excuses. We're owning it. Oh, you know, we can't go, well, Lord, this happened, but it was because of this, this, and this, right? We can go, you know what, Lord, I did this. I've got to own it. Please help me. You know that I am but dust, right? God knows our being, and you know that I'm sinful and I'm sorry, but I did that, and I need to be forgiven of it. When we do that, when we're straight up, uh, then then it's showing some maturity in us, right? Because if we're just trying to pass our blame onto others, uh, right, we can see that, right? And no doubt God can see it. We just need to own it. Verse 6. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed. A female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of, of the goats as a sin offering. Uh, so the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass which he has committed two turtle doves and, uh, or two young pigeons. Uh, one uh, as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And uh, he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is uh, for the sin offering first and wring off its head uh, from its neck. Brutal. We read that uh, last week, right? Uh, but uh, shall not divide it completely. So apparently it's still kind of hanging there, right? Okay, so there's there's some uh, some detail here. Verse 9, then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, and the rest of uh, the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering, and he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin which he committed, and it shall be forgiven him. So these things are mentioned uh, that are mentioned are, are sin and they're requiring an offering. They require atonement. Uh, if the individual couldn't afford a lamb, then they were to provide two doves or uh, two pigeons. So uh, it wasn't just the rich uh, or uh, people that were maybe upper middle class or middle class that, that could uh, be here. No, there's also a provision uh, for the young, uh, sorry, for the uh, for the poor uh, to be able to participate. So the first uh, first bird would be uh, offered as a sin offering. So uh, that connects us to Leviticus four that we studied last week. The second bird, if you want to get into uh, everything else that's in there, I'm, uh, you might not be too excited to rewind and look that look at that. But if you do want to dive into it, the burnt offering is covered in Leviticus one. Uh, it says these were to be done in the prescribed manner. You know, consider, uh, you know, a prescription. Prescription comes with instructions, right? You get your prescription bottle, right? I get my heartburn medicine, and I look on that, and it's a take one daily as needed, and you know, um, you know one one cap uh, capsule or whatever it is, right? There, there's a pres prescribed manner. God uh, has uh, said these things, and and uh, gave a. Uh, instructions for a prescribed manner for these things to be done. This is how this is to be done and how they're supposed to cover it. Verse 11, but if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, can't even afford to get two birds, then he who sins shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. So if you can't afford a lamb or birds, you can bring one-tenth of an ephah. So an ephah was about 21 quarts, so offering uh, this offering would be about two quarts of, of flour. Now, so they're really, what God did is really lumped everybody in. Like, hey, if you can't afford a lamb, uh, then uh, fine. Uh, if you can't afford the, the, the birds, then everybody's got flour, right? So they're to bring in uh, two quarts of, of flour. And so God made it possible that all could offer the trespass offering, rich or poor, because these were required. So if it's required and somebody can't meet that, right, we don't want to put on somebody a burden they can't bear, right? That comes from the Lord. If they, if they can't bear, they're going, you know what, I'm literally barely scraping by. All we have is flour and we're surviving literally on bread and water, Okay then they're to take some of that flour and, and offer that up. But they don't have the burden of having to, you know, oh, man, okay, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to sell off? You know, uh, you know, what extra work can I do? I'm already working from, you know, sun up to sundown type thing. 
And uh, there's no way for them to financially afford that. God makes a provision so that they can do what they're supposed to do. So there, God doesn't put on us a burden that we can't bear, right, uh, in that regard. We've talked about God not giving us more uh, than we can handle, and I, I think that's wrong uh, totally as far as what we, can, what, what, what we face in our life because God does give us more than we can handle so that he can show himself strong, right? Look, consider Paul. You know, Paul was talking about that thorn in the flesh. And, and he prayed to the Lord three times, asking him to be delivered. And the Lord said, my strength is made perfect. In we I'm sorry, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Right? So we can just trust in the Lord. But this, uh, that, that's, uh, you know, regarding things we might face in life. But in order to, uh, for them to be able to meet these requirements, uh, God made it so that anybody could meet the requirements. Verse 12, then he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. Uh, the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priests as a grain offering. So the grain offering would be a handful on the altar, and the rest would uh, would be uh, for the priest. So uh, when the person would come with uh, that grain off, like the flour or whatever, uh, they're offering there, the, the priest would take a handful and use that for uh, the offering, and then the rest would go to the priest. That's how the priests were provided for, right? We've covered this. They didn't inherit land, uh, and their job was to work in the temple uh, or in the tabernacle. So their pay came from these offerings that were be, uh, being made, right? So uh, these, all these, uh, you know, the food, their food would come from these things. So the Lord providing for them because they don't have their own farms or, or ways of making, uh, uh, you know, a living for themselves. The Lord provided for them. Verse 14. We're, now, now we're focusing on, we talked about restitution. Now that comes into play here for the, the rest of this chapter. So Leviticus four, uh, uh, 5 verse 14 says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person commits a trespass uh, and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord uh, as his trespass offering a ram without blemish uh, from the flocks with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restoration for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him uh, with the arm of the trespass, uh, sorry, with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be forgiven him. So uh, a little bit self-explanatory there. Uh, it says that there would be a, a valuation to ensure that the offender uh, wasn't offering something cheap to God. Right, These, this thing needed to be checked out. Like, hey, you're not bringing up damaged goods here uh, to offer to the Lord. No, they were they were to offer uh, what God had prescribed. So, uh, verse 16 tells us that uh, they would need to make restitution for the wrong, uh, in, in, you know, the, the, and the harm that they had done. They shall add one fifth, twenty percent, uh, to it. So it was given. Uh, and we'll get to this in Leviticus 7 and, and Numbers chapter 5. Uh, this, this extra 20% that was added on uh, was given to uh, the one that was wronged. Uh, if they're not around, then it was given to a family member. Uh, if there were no family members, then it would go to uh, or relative, then it, it would um, the restitution would go to the Lord by going to uh, the priest. So uh, uh, not to the if it not to the person, it would go to a family member. If not a family member, it would go to the Lord for the priest to be given to the priest. So, um, you know, when we see this and we read through these things, we can see pretty plainly here that sin doesn't just affect us. There was somebody that was harmed. There was somebody that was negatively affected. And God is saying, wait a minute, you've offended me and you've offended them. You've negatively affected their lives. And you need to, to learn your lesson, right? Those are things, right? We learn lessons. We, we have consequences for our actions. We, we learn lessons. That's what, that's what uh, punishment and discipline is supposed to do to help us learn our lesson. There's, there's a cost uh, that comes with us doing something wrong. 
so uh, this would be uh, hopefully a deterrent uh, because the person has uh, offended God and negatively affected other people's lives. Uh, so uh, they have to uh, be mindful of um, the restitution uh, that uh, needs to be um, paid out. So the priest would make atonement for him and he shall be forgiven. Uh, and it shall be forgiven him. If a if a person uh, sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know uh, does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance. Uh, in which he erred and uh, did not know it, uh, and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. So <clears throat> what should stick out here is a need for us to be uh, just, you know what, it, it, we've talked about it. If we're guilty, just just own it. And and, and as First John chapter uh, 1, uh, verse 8 says, if we say that we do not sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the first thing is, is like, well, this wasn't really sin because I can justify this, this, and this. God clearly stated what was sin. And if you committed these things, all you have to do is confess it and go through these things and, uh, you know, admit it. This says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So we have to admit that we sin, go to the Lord and confess that sin. And, and Lord, does it say what happens when we confess? Verse 9 of 1 John chapter 1. You know this one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him to a liar and his word is not in us. Just flat out. If we've sinned, don't argue the fact. This is very clear here. If they've sinned, even if they didn't know it, they're still guilty uh, before the Lord. Or if they said, well, you know what, I maybe I didn't I didn't think this through, right? We saw all of these things that came out. And God's saying, okay, if you did these things, this is what you do, and then you move forward. Right? We can't we can't sit there in our in our guilt and shame. No, you know what? We confess it, we uh, and then we ask forgiveness, uh, we forsake that thing, repent from it, and then we move on. That's what we're supposed to do in life. Right. When my kids did something wrong, you know, when they were when they were corrected, it wasn't like for the rest of the day. I'm giving them that stink eye looking at them. I can't believe you. Next day they wake up new day and I'm going. Right. If they've come to me and said, sorry. Right. They've come up and said, I know what I did was wrong. You know, that's it, that's the right thing to do. It's not right of me to sit there and be like, all right, you know, for the next two weeks, you're not going to forget this one, you know. If there's true repentance, right? So the trespass offering, uh, we just we just covered that. We wrap we wrapped up uh, chapter five. It illustrates a solemn fact that sin is very costly uh, to us, and uh, um, it also is uh, you know it's it's uh, very costly to God because our our sins don't just affect us. Consider what Jesus Christ had to do to pay for our sins, right? Um, you know they offend God, they negatively impact. Our relationship with him and and, uh, and others, uh, even the ones that um, we don't affect, uh, we don't think affect other people. We think maybe this was just a private sin. Nobody knows about it. Like, oh, no, wait. Because what happens? What happens, right? Uh, you know, our, our sins do affect other people because our walk is affected. Once our walk is affected, then we're not properly walking as we should. We're not properly reflecting Christ in our lives. Our our our, our vertical relationship with the Lord isn't right, right? So if if we're trying to uh, you know sit here and act like this didn't happen and we're not confessing it to the Lord, it's going to at some point grow to a point where it's overwhelming us, right? Or, or we're just going to be bearing our guilt. And we might start getting snappy with people, or it might just be rude or whatever it is, and then we're negatively affecting other people, and it affects our horizontal relationships with people, right? No, we have to be sure that, you know, when, when we've sinned, we, okay, and we come to the realization like, you know what, I know that I did that, and I, I don't know that I really considered it to be sin at the time. I need to confess that as sin, ask forgiveness, forsake it, and, and move forward. Uh, and, and that's where we're going to find our forgiveness. That's what the Lord says. It says right in there uh, that uh, it shall be forgiven him. It doesn't say like that, that it's going to be held over your head. Or anything like that. It's saying it shall be forgiven him. So Leviticus chapter 6. Um, uh, continuing here. Laws about burnt 
grain and sin offering. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping or about a pledge or about a robbery or if he was uh, he has extorted from his neighbor or he has uh, found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins. Guys, God might know who we are, right? <laughs> Look at these things, right? You ever been to that part where you're like, oh, man. <laughs> I was so blessed when I was working at the school. I was so blessed. This kid found somebody else's wallet. And she brings it into us. And I knew this kid was a leader, uh, you know, amongst her peers and everything. But she brings it in. And in full integrity, she hands us this wallet. And I grab the wallet. And I can see that there's a, a wad of cash in there. And she's like, somebody's going to be missing this. She could have, right, by the ways of the world, been like, finders keepers, right? But consider how sinful that is. You literally know whose it is. And if someone says, hey, did you see my wallet? And they know, like, did I? <laughs> I'm, going, I'm about to go up and buy a new TV with what I found in your wallet, right? Oh, or, oh, I found it. There was no money in it, right? There was no money in it, right? If they're lying about those things, you know, we could just put it in that light. But this is this is also talking about lying to a neighbor about what was delivered to them for safekeeping, Right? This is something that you could use that might increase in value or you hold. I need you to take care of this, right? And that person violates the other person's trust. That's a sin. Or about a pledge or about a robbery. Hey, I didn't see anything, right? Or a pledge. Hey, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to, you know what? You help me and I'm going to help you, right? That might be a pledge of, hey, you know, you help me build, you know, build my roof. And once, once we're done with my roof and it's all shingled, it looks great. I promise I'll come over and help yours. If we don't, then we've broken our vow, right? We've lied to them, you know, and, 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 and that's wrong, right? Or about a robbery. Nope, didn't see anything. You know, hope Joey ran away and, you know, or whatever the name is. Sorry, any Joey, right? Or he's extorted uh, from his neighbor, right? So we've got all kinds of these things that, that could be, that could happen here, you know, taking it by force, right? Or if he has found what was lost, lies concerning it, swears falsely. You guys see sin all through that? I don't think I really need to describe that any of that is really sin, right? Right? I mean, but but that God puts that in there, God understands our wicked hearts, doesn't he? He's like, so if you think you're going to get away with it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, or even this way, you're wrong. It's still sin, right? Because what do our wicked hearts want to do? These things. If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by, and that's what it says here. Uh, so in verse 2, it says if a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by, right, these things, by lying, extorting, swearing falsely uh, to our neighbor. We've sinned against God. God strictly per, uh, uh, forbids uh, that type of character toward our neighbor. Right? Consider the Ten Commandments. The first four had to do with our man's relationship with man, the vertical relationship. Six of them, more of them, had to do with man's relationship with man, the horizontal relationships, right? Those two have to line up right. If our relationship with the Lord isn't right, then our horizontal relationship, our earthly relationships aren't going to be right. If these aren't right, right, what does Matthew 18 tell us, right? If there's something going on between, uh, you know, a brother or sister or whatever, they, we need to go and, and, and talk to them. Hey, you've wronged me and we need to discuss this, right? Because it's negatively affecting me and I don't want it to. I don't want to grow bitter or anything. So then we, we fix this horizontal relationship and we keep our vertical relationship right. God is a genius in his way of doing that. Genius is he's God, right? Uh, but uh, consider how smart and, and, and the wisdom in this. So God is very concerned with how we treat others. And, uh, you know, we're, we're called to live with integrity. Uh, a few verses for you. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal uh, truthfully are his delight. You know, we uh, in the in the Proverbs you'll see that oftentimes there'll be you know a bad thing mentioned and then a good thing, right? Or a good thing and then a bad thing, right? So Proverbs twelve twenty two says, "Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal tr uh, truthfully are his delight." 
we have an opportunity there, right, to do the right thing. If we do the right thing, that's a, a blessing to the Lord, right? It even says he delights in that. But if we have lying lips and, and we're taking advantage of somebody and, and deceiving them, then uh, it, what does it say? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. They're an abomination. I mean, that, that's a bad, bad deal. That's a great offense to the Lord, an abomination. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each one, each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Right? Being selfless, right? <clears throat> Lying, extorting, swearing falsely is, is selfishness displayed. It's really what it is. It's a selfishness, a sinful uh, sinfulness. The Christians are we're, we're called to uh, to integrity and selfless love uh, for our neighbor, reflecting the character of Christ. What did Jesus say in Mark twelve, verse thirty and thirty one? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. Uh, second, like it is this: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than a greater, uh, no command, no other commandment greater than these. Think of that. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourself. I love how God just flat out tells us, right? This this is sin. Don't do this, right? If we don't want to, uh, we don't want to offend God and sin against Him, and we don't want to cut off our relationship with other people. This is how we conduct ourselves. So God expects strong, godly character if we bear His name. No one should act like the world does or how we used to. That's what God God expects. That He demands that from from Christians. We are called to be different, right? Ephesians chapter four, uh, even addressing this stealing. Uh, that's that's mentioned here in the lying. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. No longer stealing, but they're now a hard worker. And with what they're earning and what they're, what they're gaining, they're actually giving to somebody that's in need. Because when they were in need, they were stealing. And now, you know, following the pattern that the Lord sets in front of us, we, we don't live our lives in that selfishness and in that lying and the deceit and stealing and those things. And now it, it's telling us here that let him, let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Work. Work hard, right? Working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give uh, him who has need? Don't, no longer. I, I used to be that guy. I'm going to go and I'm going to bless them. Right, and then then we have the opportunity to share the gospel. We have the opp opportunity to share love with them. Right, called to the opposite behavior of our old life. You know, work our hands what is good. You know, what is the result? Glorify God rather than discredit His name. If we're bearing the name of the Lord, we cannot conduct ourselves in any of those things. Right? I think most of us already know this. Don't want you to feel like I'm preaching at you and, and everything. But it's part of us growing and maturing, right? Find 20 bucks just fell out of someone's pocket and you saw it fall out. You know whose it is? Do I tell them or what? What do I do here, right? Yes, you walk up and say, you lost 20 bucks. And you might have just made a friend. Rather than maybe that, that uh, we were at work one day um, back in my old job up at the base. And uh, this guy walks in. He's like, found 100 bucks outside. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I went through the lawnmower, but I got these four pieces, and he taped it together. And he's like, I, I guess I'll call around. I'll, I'll, we'll try. So he tried everything he could to find out whose it was. Never found out whose it was. Taped it up, took it to the bank, and it became his hundred dollars, right? But at least there was, the, you know, asking everybody in the building, everybody that had been there, everything that nobody's lost this. I don't know what else to do. And they're like, oh, somebody said, oh, it's, it's your money. He takes the taped up. Hundred and brings it to the bank, and it's it. And then, you know, what do you do with it then? You go, you know, find somebody, buy some groceries or whatever. You know, pray, ask the Lord what what He'd have us do with it. Verse four. Then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which he has extorted, or the thing, uh, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, 
or all that about which he has sworn falsely. So all those bad things, right? Uh, he shall restore its full value, add one-fifth to it, uh, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his, uh, of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering uh, to the Lord, a, a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any uh, one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. So because he has sinned and is guilty, God removes all question. They have sinned. They are guilty. He shall restore what he has stolen, extorted, uh, what was delivered to him for safekeeping or how he betrayed his neighbor's trust. Um, lost and found, not returned. You know, those, those types of things like we discussed. And God knows our sinful hearts and addresses it here uh, if they've even sworn falsely. Uh, you know, their integrity of speech and, and conduct uh, it, it has, has uh, been compromised and God demands uh, that we live lives uh, with integrity and uh, in speech and conduct. So they were to restore its full value, add a fifth to it, 20%. Uh, we always, you know, you know, when we're considering something like that, um, you ever thought like, uh, at the end, I don't know if you've ever stolen something or you've done something wrong. Many of us will have to hopefully go back to our, our kid days, right? And we realize, is what I did worth it? Was it worth it for what I'm paying for this, right? You know, and, and what we what we find out is we always lose more than we thought we were gaining, especially when we're caught, right? You don't get caught, you know. It, yes, your conscience gets seared, right? Uh, and if it, it keeps getting uh, you know too bad, it can be seared with a hot iron, and your conscience is numb to things, right? That that can happen, and that's a that's a bad place to be. But when we understand that that thing that we thought we were going to benefit from is costly to our soul and to our wallet, there's going to be some hesitation of of repeating that type of uh, of character, understanding that it destroys our relationship with our neighbor. Imagine every time you go out to you know mow the lawn after that, and be like. You know, they might be riding right by and you're riding right by and can't even, can't even look at them. Or you can't mow your lawn when you want to and you got to wait till after it rains or whatever. Because, you know, this all, all the weirdness, right? Because now I've got to do all these uh, gymnastics to try to make sure that we don't have eye contact and we don't meet up with each other and everything. That relationship can be in, in, in such a bad place after those things. And God is trying to preserve relationships with him and uh, with our neighbors, uh, and, and we also shouldn't be defiling his name. So verse 8, uh, considering the burnt offering, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command Aaron and his sons saying, this is the law of the burnt, off of burnt offerings. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth uh, upon the altar until uh, all, sorry, altar all night until morning, and the fire on the altar uh, shall keep burning on it. So the fire for the burnt offering was supposed to be burning all night long, even into the morning. So from night until morning. So they might have had to take shifts to tend to it, and uh, there would be a slow burn, a constant maintenance of that. Uh, and look at what we're what we can glean from that. You know, there's a uh, uh, you know there's a, a picture of us giving all of ourselves to the Lord and not holding back. They had to, they had to be out there and make sure that fire was continually uh, burning. So the, the fire of the altar had to keep burning. It couldn't burn out. Um, what can we learn from that? You know, keep pursuing God, keep reading, uh, keep praising that, you know, that maintenance that we have, we have to keep feed, uh, feeding our, uh, us spiritually. We have to tend to um, our uh, spiritual needs. And as we're doing those things, that fire is going to be properly maintained, right? You know, and, and how do you, like, if you're, if you're <clears throat> out working, you know, you've got your fire burning, to keep a fire burning, there needs to be fuel on it, right? There's got to be fuel, you know, just constantly connected to the Lord, you know, connecting with the Holy Spirit in prayer. And Lord, you know, and talking to the Lord and being, uh, being filled, being, uh, you know, just the Holy Spirit continuously filling us, right? Because as Lori Cass says, we're leaky, right? We stop doing things, we get lazy, we start leaking out, we, we empty out of those things. We need to, that continual uh, uh, you know, 
tending of uh, this of the fire right Leviticus 9 uh, 24 will tell us uh, uh, that the fire started uh, that's being described here by God sending it down so after the consecration we'll get there uh, the beginning of the priestly uh, ministry when they were just starting the glory of the Lord appeared and fire came down and consumed the burnt offering so then it was their job to keep that fire going that was they were responsible for doing that Verse 10, and the priest shall put on his linen garment and uh, his linen trousers. He shall uh, put on his body and uh, take up the ashes of the burnt offering, which uh, the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments and put on other garments and carry uh, the ashes outside the camp to a clean place and the altar uh, uh, and sorry, and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. Uh, it shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay uh, the burnt offering on it in. Uh, uh, sorry, offering in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar; it shall never go out. So here we see we we talked about the fire. Already, it shall never go out. But uh, looking at the priest linen on, and then uh, when they carried it out, uh, the they would uh, carry out the ashes. They would have uh, other garments on. Uh, so more info uh, regarding all that if you want to look back into uh, chapter one. So law regarding uh, the grain offering. This is uh, the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He shall take from it. Uh, his handful of fine flour, we discussed that, of the grain offering with its oil and all the frankincense, uh, which is on the grain offering. And he shall burn it on the altar uh, for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of it, Aaron and his sons shall eat the unleavened bread. It shall be uh, uh, with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place and the court of the tabernacle of meeting shall uh, they shall eat it so they're supposed to be in a holy place and we'll see that and it shall be baked with leaven and it has um, I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire it is most holy like the sin offering and the trespass offering so uh, as we've already discussed there'd be a handful offered the rest went to Aaron and his sons and uh, that would be their form form of getting gaining their sustenance. Uh, it wouldn't be break uh, be baked uh, with leaven. Uh, uh, it's a, you know considering the sin offering and the trespass offering. So uh, um, those those specifically would be burned, uh, and uh, they they wouldn't be baking that. So verse. Uh, 18, all the males among the children of, Era, uh, of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be holy. So there's a, a command. If we're seeing what's being demanded, there's restitution. And there's something dying and dying in something's place. All of that had to be done by people that had sanctified themselves, that that were made holy by these processes that God had uh, set in place, right? Uh, so uh, when these things, everyone who touches them must be holy. So holiness is required for proper ministry, uh, representing, uh, representing uh, God. Um, you know, we have to understand that we've been made holy by God. I remember one point talking to Will. I'm like, man, you know, we lift our holy hands up. You know, I'm talking to Will. I'm like, man, that's a hard thing. He's like, yes, they've been made holy. Our whole bodies have been uh, made holy by Jesus. You know, I just remember that conversation years and years and years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's one of those things that stuck with me. Verse 19, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord beginning on the day when he was anointed. So he is anointed. So this is talking about Aaron and his sons, their offerings when they're anointed as priests. Uh, one tenth of an ephah of fine uh, flour as a daily grain offering, half of it uh, in the morning and half of it at night. It, it shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. The priests uh, from among his sons uh, who is anointed in his place shall offer it. 
It is a statute forever before the Lord, uh, to the Lord. It shall be wholly burned, for every grain offering for the priests shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. So we see in the different ones who's offering them, what gets eaten, what doesn't. This is being described here. So a normal grain offering, it should be eaten, but the ones associated with uh, anointing of the priests should not be eaten. Finishing this up here uh, with the law about the, the sin offering. And that's uh, you can reflect on that in chapter 4 if you'd like. Also, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, This is the law of sin offering in the place where the burnt offering is killed. The sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. So it had to be eaten in the, the tabernacle, uh, and that would be a holy place for them to eat, and, and right in there in the meeting uh, place uh, in the tabernacle, right? Verse 21, everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled uh, in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it was it is boiled shall be broken. If it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be uh, scoured and rinsed uh, in water. Cleanliness, right? Cleanliness. It's it's talking about that picture of holiness. You shouldn't shouldn't be conducting ourselves. Somebody who's not holy shouldn't be partaking in these things. And if you use like a clay vessel. Uh, then after that's uh, that's been used for that, it's to be broken. If it's a bronze vessel, you can't really break that. They were to scour it and clean it, uh, and uh, it's supposed to be cl completely clean after use. Verse 29, all the males among the priests may eat it. It is most holy. So the place, uh, the priests, uh, the blood, the pot, all required to be holy, to be clean, right? So uh, where they were going to eat, uh, the, the place they were going to uh, eat, the, the priests themselves, the pots, all these things, um, speaking of holiness. Verse 30, but no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. So chapter 4 talks about sin offerings uh, for priests and for Israel as a whole, uh, as a whole, are completely offered. Nothing eaten, nothing um, uh, for these specific offerings. So when it's used for the priest, or it's for everybody else, or uh, in uh, this atonement process, it was not to be eaten. So in some cases to be eaten, some cases not to be eaten. So uh, we've wrapped up all of those, and uh, we'll pick up in verse uh, chapter seven. Uh, next week, and we'll wrap up uh, these things before we get to the consecration. Uh, sorry, to the oh yeah, the the anointing of Aaron and his sons. Uh, but I wanted to share this. I, I was blessed by this uh, a paragraph that I found in my, my commentary uh, from Warren Wearsby, uh, and he summarizes all of these offerings. So I'm just going to read them. Um, it'll it'll be very brief. But Wearsby uh, had this to say: Jesus provides all that we need. He is our burnt offering, and we must yield ourselves wholly to him. He is our meal offering, the seed crushed and put through the fire, that we might have the bread of life, and we must feed upon him. He is our drink offering, who poured himself out in sacrifice and service, and we must pour ourselves out for him and for others. He is our fellowship offering, making a life of joyful feast instead of, of a painful famine. He is our sin offering and our guilt offering. He bore our sins on his body, and he paid the full price for our sins. I saw that paragraph. I had to type it all out because it was so, it, it, I was like, that's awesome. I have to share that. All of these point to Christ, every single one of them. They point to Christ. Last thing I'll leave you with, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 and 12 say, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Guys, the priest had to do this continually. And it never actually uh, would take away sins. The person would be forgiven because they did what they were told to do. 
but they don't take away sins. Jesus, it says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. So when we read through these and we, we picture how Jesus Christ is pictured even in all of those, man, what a blessing to know what God has done for us. He loves us so much, so deeply. He cares about our character. He cares about how, we, uh, how our relationship with him and our relationship with others. He wants these things to be in good standing, and he gives us the prescription uh, it, for, that Israel had to, had to follow, and we see that Jesus Christ fulfilled once for all. And now we just have to follow Jesus, right? We don't have to do any of this stuff. Praise God, right? I really don't want to go hold a bull down and take it out. God is so good to us. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you how good for how good you are. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Lord, help us to have a greater understanding, a deeper understanding of who you are, your love for us, and what you accomplished by sending your son to die for us that we might be forgiven one sacrifice for all. Oh, sin's forever gone. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.